0: Thank you for joining us for this episode. Today we're joined by Chelsea Bradley and we're going to be speaking about the dirty side of contact lens solutions on the OI show. Thanks again for joining us for this episode. Today we're joined by Chelsea Bradley. How are you today, my friend?
1: Doing really well. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. So, uh, Chelsea, you are uh, not a a brand new grad, but a recent grad. Tell us a little bit about you and uh, what you're doing. I see ICO in the background there. You must have an affiliation of some sort.
1: Yeah, so I am currently faculty at ICO, um, mostly within the cornea contact lens, anterior segment section, a little bit of primary care and other things thrown in here and there. Um, But I went to Berkeley for optometry school. And then after I graduated Berkeley, I decided to stay there to do my cornea contact lens residency. Um, And I had grown up in the Bay Area literally my entire life. Grew up there, went to undergrad there, stayed at Berkeley for all the opto stuff. And I decided it was time for a big change. And I had met the crew at ICO at various national conferences, things like that. And I really love the people that are at ICO. So that's what drove me there. And I'm very happy in my position. Um, I'm mostly in cornea clinic, like I said, but also right now I'm teaching the anterior set course for winter.
0: So Chelsea and I met uh, in a poster section at the academy and we kind of had uh, been dealing with some some other issues within optometry schools that I deal with. And um, one of the things that I was kind of interested in is we're not talking about contact lens solutions very much anymore. But as many of you know, in 2006, 2007, we had an acanth amoeba and a fusarium outbreak and uh, contact lens solutions were removed from the market. Those days were the contact lens solutions, w- solution wars, and all the major companies were fighting over whether their solution was the best. Now, it has been uh, nearly a decade since many of us have talked about contact lens solutions, but yet still 40, 50, 60%, depending on the study that you look at, of all contact lens wearers, soft, are utilizing a contact lens solution. And we're not talking about it at all. And that means that doctors are probably not thinking about them when it comes to their patient care. So you took on, along with uh, both Dr. Lindsay Six and Andrew Pucker, both who have been on the OI show, a major undertaking. Tell us about the genesis of this work that you put in to give us an update on Contact Lens Solutions. How did this come about?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So like you said, uh, Lindsay and Andrew were with me on this and amazing mentors. And really they were the ones who at the get-go kind of realized the gap in the research uh, recently and just noticed that there wasn't a great summary of where we stand right now compared to where we stood in the past and new products, things like that. So uh, they decided that we should make a review on it for you know it's not a comprehensive literature review but it's pretty extensive and they were kind enough to invite me on that and I agreed once I dug a little deeper I agree with you I agreed with them you know nobody's talked about this for a while and I think it would be refreshing to have one resource to go back and find all the information in one yeah. spot that was our goal. So maybe
0: not fully comprehensive, but I think 88, uh, references is pretty that's substantial. <laughs> that's, that's true. So in, in, in contact lens solutions, I think the biggest beast that we're dealing with is the preservative aspect of this. And we have to have the preservative to some degree. And, um, uh, So tell us a little bit about um, about, you know, kind of what you learned or what are some things that really kind of stood out to you that maybe you don't remember from optometry school or haven't, you know, remembered from residency and so forth that really kind of stood out.
1: Sure. Um, I'm glad you brought that up because I think, you know, in optometry school, sometimes we get taught these are the big ones that people use now. So they work well if they get some sort of allergic or toxic response just switch them to a hydrogen peroxide solution and unfortunately sometimes that's all you get or all you remember because you're so overwhelmed with other information yeah so i can't uh i can't say i remembered exactly which preservatives were in which solutions before this paper so i think it's useful to you know my favorite part of this paper is the table that is produced in there that's saying which preservatives are in which solutions. Cause I think it's a nice quick reference to go remember. And then when your patient has specific risk factors for certain infections, like exposing their soft contact lenses to water, you need to know what's effective against canthamoeba versus yeah. just general bacteria. So that's what I took out of this specific preservatives that are in specific solutions. And how you might need to adjust based on your specific patients.
0: Mm -hmm. What, what, uh, what are some of these major preservatives and, uh, and how do they, how do they differ? Or why would you switch from one to another? Mm -hmm. How does that work clinically?
1: Sure. So the two major ones that are in all the solutions right now are polyquaternium one, which goes by PQ one usually, and then PHMB, which encompasses quite a few, Um, similar compounds that are all under that umbrella. And those are the ones found in the, you know, OptiFree, BioTrue, a lot of the common ones used today. And uh, I find clinically with my students and when I was in school, someone's having an adverse reaction to a solution and they know that those are the most common ones used or the ones they've heard the name the most, if anything. So they're saying, "Okay, their Optifree is not working well. Let's switch them to BioTrue," But they're not going to realize maybe that BioTrue has the same preservatives in it that Optifree does sometimes. So yeah. clinically, it's important to make sure you're not switching your patient to something that's not even going to help the problem.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if you switch from... You know, say the patient has a PHMB, and you switch from P- one PHMB to another PHMB, you're not really doing anything. So there are obviously are some advantages to multi-purpose solutions. You don't have to have the the six-hour disinfectant uh, that you would have with the peroxide for it to to kind of calm down. You know, if a, a a patient drops their contact lens, you can pick it up and kind of rinse it off. It's kind of one of those benefits. So there certainly are advantages to multipurpose solutions. So knowing where, where, where they fit is still an important thing. Um, what, what about uh, generic solutions? Did you dig into the generic world of solutions at all?
1: You know, I really didn't. And we, you know, Lindsay and Andrew and I discussed it and we decided not to because clinically we rarely recommend patients go in generic if they've already done it on their own we can consider if they're doing okay, letting them leave it, but we just didn't feel Mm -hmm. it was best practices to recommend a generic when you don't know exactly what.
0: No, I think, I think that that's sound advice. You know, the vast majority of our patients are going to the supermarket and selecting a generic solution if it hasn't been recommended to them. And that's just a key component is these patients are spending a considerable amount of money on contact lenses and uh, we really need to tell them what kind of uh, what kind of care system. I mean, you don't sell somebody a car and then tell them they should figure out whether it's gas or diesel or what what goes in it or that they need an oil change, right? You need to tell them how to care and handle it. And I think the the generic solutions historically have been older solutions, technology that's not as good. They may not have as good of wetting agents. They may not have as good of those sort of things. And some of them may have some preservatives that we're not really all that comfortable with our patients being in. So now let's talk about the dirty side of contact lens solutions. Like, What are some of the things that you kind of discovered or common side effects of these preservatives?
1: Sure. So definitely contributions to the discomfort of the lens, whether that be from things that cause dryness, but mostly just disruption to the ocular surface. Both yeah conjunctival cells and corneal cells. And it is somewhat controversial. Some of the studies found there's no significant correlation between the preservatives and stain. And then some of them found quite a bit of a correlation. So you've got to, you know, consider the studies themselves and how they were run. But I think it's obvious if you have a patient in front of you where they've got pan corneal staining and conge staining, and their only risk factor is that they're using a preserved solution, it's obvious enough that you need to consider switching to a different preservative preservative because right. that's likely the culprit.
0: Right, right. So, uh, you know, now, now asking you clinically, uh, so I, I don't know that you necessarily covered this in this comprehensive review per se, but um, where do you stand with solutions? Is it something where, you just out of the box, everybody goes to a multipurpose or everybody goes to a peroxide or how, how should we be, you know, directing clinicians to be thinking about solutions that they're picking?
1: I will say that I generally go to a multipurpose first for my soft contact lens patients. So that is, we didn't cover any specialty hard lenses in this. Right. I do, right differently for that for sure but for soft contact lenses for the average patient I do go multi-purpose and that may be partially where I practice my patients are very upfront about the fact that they want the most simple solution so if they're not in a daily disposable they make it clear they want to have a system that's the easiest to take care of it they can use all the ways that you would need to use a solution at once and when they hear about neutralizing a preservative free hydrogen peroxide solution overnight quite a few of them more than i would have realized before i started practicing say they don't get six hours a night to neutralize something like that (laughs) we start with the preservative um but then I monitor, especially if they're brand new contact lens wears, and make sure that they're not having discomfort, ocular surface problems. Obviously, but I usually, out the gate, go multi-purpose. To be honest,
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I think it's a key component that we need to be revisiting with our contact lens patients if they're not in a daily. Is what is the solution that we're recommending they use? Um, you know, in many cases, I think, uh, hydrogen peroxide is a good way to go, but when that patient needs a simplified, uh, solution, we need to make sure we're specifically recommending something for them and, uh, and guiding them in the direction. And there are big differences, right? So wetting agents play a big part into the comfort. Uh, the preservative obviously plays a big part into the comfort And, um, you know, I think it's just uh, something we've gone by the wayside in our strong recommendations, uh, you know, across our industry in recommending to patients.
1: Yeah, I agree. And I will say when I do find something that I think the multipurpose solution is affecting them, I go straight to a hydrogen peroxide. I don't Mm. try and change them to a different preservative because the likeliness that they're just sensitive in general is relatively high.
0: And then
1: yeah, I have evidence. Well, we it's time to go to a preservative free alternative. Yeah,
0: you know, and on that side, on the sensitivity, you're not going to always see that right away, right? So, that's the other thing is that sometimes a patient may have been in the solution and been using the same solution for years and years and years, and then they start to develop some sensitivities.
1: Mm-hmm. Definitely the delayed hypersensitivities for sure. Yeah. Right?
0: Yeah, and that just baffles the patient because they've been using it forever, and then you tell them. So, um, well, I think some key aspects here, some really interesting stuff. Thanks for reading eighty-eight papers and summarizing them into a sh- short publication for us to read. Uh, and uh, if you uh, if you have an interest in in reading this publication, it's readily available. Uh, you can search for uh, Chelsea's uh, name, Chelsea Bradley. Lindsay Six, Andrew Pucker, and uh, be able to find uh, this publication. So thanks thanks for hanging out with us on the OI show and uh, appreciate your work.
1: I appreciate you. Thanks for talking with me.
0: Absolutely. And thank you for joining us for this episode of the Optometric Insights show. Please like and subscribe so you can stay tuned for other amazing episodes like this one with Dr. Bradley. Have a good day.